What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of Thirst Talks with Anil Joshua. I'm joined by the beautiful Steph Senyati. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me on your podcast. No problem. Thank you for being here. So you are from the Six, Toronto. Well, not originally, but not, I've been okay. here for like five years. And where's hometown? It's a small town. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Wallaceburg. Okay. It's about three and a half to four hours southwest of Toronto, near the border to the okay. U.S. Um, and uh, it's not cute. It's not cute. cute. (laughs) I mean, you know what? It's very cute aesthetically. It's a cute little quaint small town, but it wasn't a good environment for me. Yeah. And then, I mean, I watched a little bit on your jock. Um, You were just like, you needed to get out of there. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And do you love Toronto? I do. Yeah. So I moved here two days after graduating high school. Oh, damn. Like, I was gone. I was out of there. Yeah. Um, And immediately, like, I fell in love with it. It was, it just, I felt right here, you know? It was like something fell into place. That's awesome when you have those moments of yeah. like, thank you, universe. This is where I'm supposed to be. Exactly. Um, okay, so talk to me. You're telling me a story about your mom coming to visit. Yeah. Uh, well, she actually moved in with me now. Oh, she lives here in the yeah, city. Yeah, she does. Okay. She does. She, so she lived in small towns her entire life. I love my mom to death. She's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I aspire to be my mother. <laughs> um, so, I mean... <laughs> It's out there. It's public knowledge. Yeah. I don't want to get too much into her business, but I mean, uh, you know, I, I've spoken before that um, my parents' marriage broke up recently, and that was that was bizarre for me to grapple with because I never thought that would happen. It was yeah. like some, I I never thought I would have to deal with that, um, and and we were both just very isolated and lonely, so we decided to move in together and get a place in the city together, and it, it worked out, and it's been very very good, but it's. Like, I moved to a different neighborhood because I'm used to being downtown. Because yeah, I very yeah, much yeah. like Queen West. I like like yeah. I like the fashion district. I like being out in, like, the place where people can see yeah. me. <laughs> and now I'm living in a more suburb area, which is beautiful. And it's, like, gorgeous. But it's missing some of that Toronto soul. Yes. Um, I know exactly what you mean. That energy. Yeah, the exactly. freshness. And Liberty Village is great. But if you're maybe starting a family. Exactly. Like, yeah. like I'm not, like, a lawyer. I'm yeah. Like, 37. <laughs> you know. So I want to be, like, I don't care if it's a studio. Like, I lived in a studio for, for three years, and I loved it. I don't yeah. need much space. Um, but uh, we wanted to go to a more suburby neighborhood just because it was what my mom was more used to from a yeah. small town. She wanted, like, I, I feel like she wouldn't have been able to integrate very well if we just moved, like, to Young and Dundas area. Yeah, like I think she would have been, exactly, very <laughs> overwhelmed. So it's, uh, I think it's kind of like a, what is that? Full just, circle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's like I moved here and I got out and then, and you know, she had some problem that's brought her down and that's caused her problems. Yeah. And now she got out and I feel like Toronto is just a healing place. I oh, don't I know. love that. And it's kind of cool. I mean, we're at this kind of age where like we're becoming friends with our parents in a weird way. And like there's times where we are the parent, where yeah. we have to be the parent. Oh and my it's goodness. so weird. I like, <laughs> I said to my brother, we were talking shortly after the whole thing exploded was um like you kind of realize that your parents are people and it sounds silly because you always know that (laughs) but you see like extreme flaws in their character when something like this happens when you're an adult and and you know you're trusted enough to be confided in yeah um and it was just really interesting to see that and to it's i don't know it's been a learning process and a growth 
process. I mean, my best friend just moved in with her mom. Very, like, you know, similar situation. Okay. And it just, she just says it's, like, nice because it's, like, a newfound best friend. Yeah. And it's, like, you're starting another chapter of the relationship. Exactly. It's not, like, go to bed now. Oh, What's yeah. your job? Where are you <laughs> going to school? It's, like, you guys can really become friends. So that's, exactly. like, exciting. It's it exciting. Is. Yeah. Um. So you're just, like, killing it on the YouTube game. Thank killing you. it. Thank you so, so much. So I just want to know, like, what me it takes to set of balls right and i hate like everybody's <laughs> like um i feel like they go to advocates and like you're so brave thank you mm. but like why what was that call to action in you that you're like you know what this is my story let me share this so i actually started youtube when i was 13 years old 13 yeah when i was in that hometown and um it was a very socially isolating experience being there because yeah. i was the only queer person yeah and i thought back then that i was gay because i didn't know trans people existed right yeah. oh my god you wow yeah so, i had no idea that's crazy yeah so but i definitely like i dressed as a woman i just didn't understand what that meant like it's okay. not only that that means you're trans obviously yeah, totally. but there was like it was pretty clear i just yeah. didn't have the language to understand it um so but you know it was i was very much ostracized from the community and from my peers and i made friends and i had good times but yeah most of it was just traumatic oh, yeah. um and so what i did was I, I went to the internet to find that social experience like before i started doing youtube i couldn't look people in the eye i would say um every four words like really? it was a whole yeah I was a basement creature. It wasn't, I was not a social creature. Yeah. Um, and then I started YouTube. My first video was a Lady Gaga paparazzi makeup tutorial. Oh my god! I remember <laughs> using like a liquid eyeliner to do the lips. It was, it was a mess and it was horrible, but it was cute. But you felt yourself in that moment. Oh, I did. 13 years old. Exactly. And that's like crazy how the internet is now like a safe place for people that kind of feel lost and like yeah. I mean the internet I think about just us growing up and just here I didn't even know those small towns where you don't even know trans people exist oh, God. like it's <laughs> nuts to know that the internet is really just helping shape younger minds yeah. younger lives absolutely um so you talked about makeup briefly and you're doing makeup tutorials on YouTube, but you were telling me you went to school for this. Like, this I is that you worked and did makeup. Yeah. And what is it about makeup that makes you tech? So, I mean, when I was much younger, I used to have, like, I used to not be able to look in the mirror without hyperventilating because I hated myself so much. Really? And I think that was a gender dysphoria thing. Like, you yeah. know, I hit puberty and I was broadening out and I was yeah. getting, like, more muscular and it was freaking me out a lot. Yeah. So I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. And when I was, like, 13, uh, when I was presenting more femininely and I'd already come out to my parents and everything, my mom, well, I don't know exactly how this came about, but she took me to buy my first makeup. And I remember I bought like a little gold eyeshadow and a little black eyeshadow. And I would just paint <laughs> my entire face gold and do like black designs on it. I just, I loved it. It was like a medium of art and an expression for me. It was yeah. like a, an outlet. Um, and so that kind of just developed because I'd always been a good, like I'd always, you know, as a kid, I was the artist. Like I drew everything yeah. and I was very visual. Um, and that evolved into doing makeup. And then I, I got my first job at a shopper's drug mart counter okay. in the town over uh, when I was 15. Is this a better town or is it just Barely. as much? Okay. It's a <laughs> it's little a bit bigger. step. Okay. It's a bit bigger. It's like 30,000 people instead of 10,000. Okay. Um, the town, the, the shoppers in my hometown wouldn't hire me because it was like too weird. It was too, it was too fringe to have mm -hmm. like a queer person. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Like, cause you hear these stories, but I, I, it's like I can't wrap my brain around it. I know. And then every time I hear one, I'm literally in shock. But anyway, sorry. It's Continue. okay. Um, so I did that for a while. And I've always, like, I always knew I wanted to be an entertainer. But I was still yeah. very shy and very hurt 
when yeah. I was in that town. So I didn't know how to pursue that after high school. And okay. so my parents were just like, you know, you're good at makeup. It's what you're really good at. You should just pursue that because you can get good money there and, you know, you yeah. can be successful. And I understand from a parent's perspective, they want you to be safe and have resources. Uh, yeah, and totally. so I get why they push you that way. And it wasn't like a, like a bad choice for me. It was the only choice I could have made, really, because I needed to get here to break out of that shell first before I could break into entertainment. Okay, I see. It was a stepping stone, Exactly, exactly. So I went to uh, Complexions, which is a private makeup school here in Toronto. I had an eight-month program where I learned everything from just, like, fashion and hair makeup yeah. to sculpting monsters and, like, prosthetic makeup oh, cool. and everything. And I, I was good at it. Um, and I did that for maybe a year. I did, like, uh, some television stuff, and I did some editorial and some, like, short films. But um, something just wasn't clicking. Like, it just didn't satisfy me. Yeah. And I kind of realized at some point, I like doing makeup on myself. And that was kind of that transformative power of it. And that's part of what led me to understand that I was trans. And that's why I love makeup so much is because like, oh. I could look the way I needed to to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, wow, that's crazy how that walked you through exactly, that whole path and exactly. led you here. That's so... But the connections, you don't see them yeah, at the moment. You have totally. to like, look back and see them. Uh, and then I ended up doing, I moved in with somebody that had a camera and she encouraged me to do YouTube again. Okay. Because I'd stopped after high school. I quit and I deleted everything, unfortunately. I wish I still had oh, all those old videos. Oh, you deleted it all? Okay. Um, well, I deleted them because I got death threats, actually, from my hometown. So I had to get everything down. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Um, it's this okay. Is, it's I done. like get yeah, so <laughs> mad. But anyway, you've like obviously come out of it yeah. and you're doing great things. But anyway, yeah. continue. Um. So, you know, I, I thought I had to get super serious, and so I grew a beard and bought blazers and went to college and whatever. Um, but uh, I started YouTube again when I moved in with her, and I had this video that took off. Like, it has almost 9 million views at this point. Yeah. Called My Face Wardenburg Syndrome, and it's about okay. a genetic condition that runs in my family that just makes you look a bit different. Okay. Um, and it gives you white hair and pigmentation, like all kinds of weird whatever. Yeah. Uh, that video took off, and I decided... You know, like I, I saw my first AdSense check from that, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, this can be a job. Oh like God. I could make money from this." Yeah. Um, and I decided it would be in my best interest if I really wanted to pursue this to drop everything and just run for it. You yeah, know, to totally. like commit one hundred percent right then and there. And so I did. And now it's been like two and a half, three years since then, and mm, it's still, still it. yeah. Um, yeah. So how often are you producing content and videos now? Um, when I was still a little bit smaller, I was very adamant, you know, two or three videos a week on a certain schedule. Yeah. Um, but at, at, at a certain point as a creator, like after a few years, you run out of things to talk about and you kind of have this like shift. And I think a lot of artists of all kinds of mediums do yeah. this, like musical artists or actors, right? They might change genres or something. Where it's like, um, you know, you've done all that and doing it again just doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. So I went from this, I had this very like bubblegum, sweet, you know, purple hair and colorful clothing. Yeah. Like, um, it's like cotton candy Yeah, fantasy. exactly. And yeah. I would raise my voice and talk like this and be really cute. Yeah. And I was like, this is dumb. I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> right? So um, that turned, like, I just, I, I think I got sick of everything and I was like, this like yeah. I, can I swear on your podcast yeah oh my god cool. swear the fuck okay. out of it thank you very much okay. <laughs> um and I kind of just like I had a, a period where I didn't want to do it anymore and I remember the reason I did this was to express myself and to learn myself and to connect with myself right so yeah. if I'm not being genuine people aren't going to connect with me and so 100%. I just decided I'm gonna stop I used to pitch my voice up 4% in post because I was like super self-conscious about it. I don't care anymore. Yeah. I've, I've had this big journey in the past like year and a half of like, I wouldn't say acceptance. 
and I've had a lot of privileges too in the past couple of years of like getting surgeries and I've been on hormones for a long time yeah. and like I'm very I'm very much in a better place and safer and more passing which is a term I don't like but yeah than I was before so I think you know I'm able now to just relax yeah like and free. I, exactly yeah. and I can just like I don't have to cross my legs all the time and yeah. I don't have to get acrylic nails and I can wear short sleeves and have my biceps out like I don't care anymore yeah um, and that took a while for me to get there but I'm very thankful and I think I had to go through that bubblegum like I'm really sweet and feminine yeah. phase to get to this point yeah. where I can just not give a shit and that's really healthy and I think that's where YouTubers should be or anybody that's in the public eye should just not give a shit because if you don't give a shit then people can't mold you into something that you're not Fair. and then you don't get into that place where you feel like you don't you don't want to do it anymore yeah um but i don't know how to get there it just happens yeah oh my god you're literally like giving me chills because oh. i am stuck in this little type of essentially not a rut but i mean david my partner is yeah. very big in branded marketing content right. this is his world mm -hmm. and he will i'll update a story or try you know sit there for hours like hey guys i'm here doing yeah. this and he's like that's not authentic that's not how you talk <laughs> And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? Like, I'm stuck in this way. And I was talking to our last guest last night, and he was yeah. literally saying, once he decided to give zero fucks, it was the most liberating thing, and exactly. his content is so authentic Oh, my God. I, okay, I'm so glad somebody else has said yeah. that. Because, like, I, I don't see it very much. And I there are YouTubers out there, you know, content creators of any kind, that don't give a fuck and that are very genuine. But then there's also... You know, I see creators that are very much like they're making sure they hashtag everything a certain way. Yes. They're making sure that they get in every single, you know, uh, plug. And, and it's important to do that. You know, yeah. there are best practices in this business, but it's also important to remember that you have to be able to connect to an audience that isn't in that world. Yeah. And they need to just be able to relax with you. And it's easy to forget that. Yep. Like recently, I just did like eight branded videos in a row, which is very good for my business. It's very yeah. good for me personally. But, you know, I noticed my views are dwindling a little bit. And I'm like, okay, well, this isn't working. And I didn't even notice that yeah. I did eight branded videos in a row. It was just very much like I would, you know, my manager brings me a brand. And I'm like, cool, I'll do that. And I pump it out to him, right? Yeah. And it's very factory-like. Sure. And that's not cute for that's me. That's like the business mentality. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's good to have. But not if you're sacrificing the authenticity and sacrificing the way to connect to your viewers. Yeah, too. exactly. That's the most important thing in this business. And that's where it's somebody saying that it's 10% talent. 10% uh, talent, 90% business, right? But what I think that they're missing is that, yeah, it's 10% talent, but it's 10% authenticity, and then really the business part happens. Or maybe yeah. authenticity, what's the breakdown to you? Maybe authenticity well, is 50% of it. I think authenticity is a big part of it, because I think you can't really, you know, you can have all the business know-how and everything, and you can yeah. have this, you know, great, great knowledge and have a great understanding of, you know, how to get these brands and everything. But if you don't have the platform, they don't yeah. want to work with you, True. right? So you have to be able to build that platform and to genuinely have a connection with your viewers. And they're the most important thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I grew up a big fan of Lady Gaga. Yeah. And I learned from her that, you know, she used to do this, like, now as an adult, I kind of watch it. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of infantilizing. <laughs> I don't know. But very much like she kind of mothered her, her fans and her followers. She kind of became this like... Mother monster. Yeah. It, yeah. She became like a leader and like a, like a safety bubble for a lot of young queer people. And I was in that bubble. And yeah. I think, you know, I, I kind of emulate that in the best way I can. Yeah. Because I understand that there are lots of people that need safety and they need that mother figure that they don't have maybe or they need yeah. a parental figure, right? Um, and that's where you get, like, I, 
I don't want it to come off like, oh, I do this because it's business-wise and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm faking it because that's not it. I really genuinely enjoy that work and I enjoy connecting with these young people or yeah. any, you know, people of any age. But um, I also understand that I have a responsibility with that ability to do that, not to be a good example necessarily, but to be myself and to be authentic and to give them an example of not giving a fuck so that they too can not give a fuck and they can achieve happiness. Exactly. I don't yeah. know. That's kind of, I, it's very roundabout, but... Yeah, because you're essentially saying by not giving a fuck, being your authentic mm-hmm. self, you're basically being a role model. But the role model takeaway is just be yourself. Exactly. Give zero fucks. You don't have to be a perfect person. Exactly. Like I talk a lot about mental health in my channel. And if I'm having yeah. a bad day or having a breakdown, like I go on my Instagram story and I say like, I just cried for an hour because this happened or something. I don't know. Yeah. As so an example. Talk it through on your Insta story. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Not every time. But, um, <laughs> because, you know, I want them to know that that's you know, that a successful person or somebody that, you know, looks pretty or has clothes or has money, I don't know, that that those people also have these moments where they feel weak or they feel like that queer kid True. in the hometown where they yeah. have no friends, right? Because I find there's a tendency, and I'll just drop a name because, like, I don't think this is an insulting thing to say. I yeah. think, you know, Gigi Gorgeous, for example, is she's stunning and she's incredible and whatever. Yeah. Um, but she very much does not present those downtrodden moments and she might not have them sure right but um i worry that you know young trans people will see that and think well i am not that happy or i'm not that in a good place so i must be terrible or i'm not doing something right or this isn't right or you know things like that and i want to make sure that they understand that that's totally normal yeah right and that you know if you aren't in a place where you have all these privileges and all this wealth and all this you know safety that you're going to feel those things anyway. Yeah, true. So, you know, it's important that they see that. that yeah, and I think, I mean, she just, she she lives a glamorous life. Very. So people, almost it's easier to just see a great, wow, I can't even say that word, <laughs> glamorous life yeah. and think that that, you know, she's happy. But you're right. If you are able to share these raw, organic, emotional moments, that's what people feel connected. And that's right. how they feel a little bit safer. Yeah. Like, you know what? I identify what she's going through, mm-hmm. and I'm not alone. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's really cool. Okay, so you do this all on social media, YouTube, mm-hmm. Instagram. Are you on the Snap of the chats? Oh, no. You no? know, I've never been able to get into Snapchat. I think the best thing about Snapchat is that filter where it says, like, your name and then the day, and it has, like, you know, that oh, video. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Snapchat. I don't know. I, I just, I like making things that last. And I okay. feel like with Snapchat, it's there for 24 hours and it's gone. Okay, and Instagram that's stories are similar, yeah. but you also have that permanent feed, right? And sure. I don't want to make something that nobody will ever see again. You know what I mean? That's actually a really good way of thinking about it. I never thought about it because what's happening, I have younger brothers that mm-hmm. are like in high school yeah. and they all get like the smallest storage phones. So like the 16 right. gigabyte or whatever. So they only use Snapchat because it doesn't save anything. Right. So they text through Snapchat. They don't actually text because text takes sense. up storage. So it's almost like this younger generation is so tapped into Snapchat That's so that it's like now there's the divide. It's yeah. like our parents are using Facebook. We're like in this Instagram, Instagram world. Instagram, Twitter. And the younger ones are just all about the Snap. The thing is like, you know, what just happened with Brianna and Snapchat losing yeah. a whole bunch of people, which was totally just Not okay. Not cute, Snapchat, no. right? Um, also, I love that uh, Rihanna is like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, um, you know, I... I I thought maybe that it would be a dying platform. Like, there, there is a lot of, well, at least there was for a bit, there was a lot of business for influencers on Snapchat with, like, Snapchat stories of, oh, do your skincare with this machine and we'll pay you, like, this much money. Yeah. But, you know, I don't see why that's 
good for brands either because you might get, you know, some follow through, but you're not going to get anything residual from a Snapchat True. post. Exactly. I don't know. I'm it just is, not a fan of Snapchat. Yeah, and I can't wrap my head around it. And then now the Rihanna situation happened. Then they did a new update. So now everyone's like, okay, I don't even understand right. what's happening. So maybe it is dying. Maybe, um, but maybe the youth will keep it alive. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but on Snapchat, comments and stuff aren't a thing. People can't comment or say anything, really. Yeah. So, I mean, on Instagram and Twitter, they sure can come into your DMs and whatever. Yes. How do you handle that situation? Because there's hateful people out there. There, there are, are people that will make fake accounts and stuff. And you briefly <laughs> mentioned this in one of your videos. You talk about, like, in a way, you're like used to it very i'm very used to it i've been like i don't know like i told you earlier i used to have a point in my life where i couldn't look in the mirror because i would just not i couldn't look at myself and you know during that time period i was bullied for every conceivable thing except for like my skin color because everybody there was white yeah so like you know uh weight acne you know hair clothing um my eyes like people used to constantly and people still do yeah like, compare me to Sid from Ice Age, and I'm like, are you completely... Do you have any vision? Oh like, are you my completely... God. My eyes are wide set, but, like, lots of people's eyes yeah, are wide set. Yeah, and, like, who cares? And it comes from this place. I think I'm immune to it because I totally understand what they don't, right? Which okay. is that every single person has a unique facial structure. And to be like, wow, you're weird because your bones are different from mine, it's just so absurd. It's yeah, so stupid. It's, so like, it's such a juvenile way of thinking. Exactly. And it's also, like, that kind of... It flows into this other thing of like, well, if this person dislikes people that look different from them, are they also super racist? Are they also super, yeah. like, do they hate people <laughs> that are in mobility devices? Like, what, where does it stop? And so from there, like, I just understand that this person is uncomfortable, that they don't like themselves, that they're lashing out because there's something they don't understand about themselves. And mm -hmm. seeing people that are comfortable makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's like, when you understand that, nothing can really get through to you from those people, right? Yeah, wow, that's like really, that you, that you just like gave me some <laughs> thoughts right there because you're right. If you're taking the time to write that to somebody, right. there's an imagine. underlying issue going right. on. Like, I, I can't imagine what goes through your head when you, when you look, when you go to a video, like, let's see, is there something on my, on my, no, there's not. Do you delete comments? I delete comments that are blatantly hateful. Like, I can take constructive criticism. I don't mind that. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I delete comments, like, let's see if there's one that shows up here. It's, like, um, necessary. I can't even imagine what I would, like, I'm a blocker, I guess, or I would try to come up with a witty response, but it's, like, Jesus Christ, like, you took five minutes out of your day to do this. Exactly. I can't really find a mean comment right now because Oh well this is good. I posted that you a new video find. and it's getting lots of good uh, lots of good stuff, so that's bizarre. But uh, you know, like I can't imagine somebody taking five minutes out of their day to write like literally a death threat or like, you know, yeah. something so hateful. I'm like, why what does that do for you? Yeah. When you're finished writing that comment, do you feel better? Like yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you ever have a fear? Like do you you know you get these death threats and stuff and you're um I mean, you are, like, YouTubers are really kind of, like, a new wave celebrity. Do you f get scared, or do you ever wear something, maybe, that you're scared somebody's going to be, like, or you're just, like, fuck, I don't care? <sighs> like, I think, I, I very rarely feel fear anymore, because <laughs> I just don't give a shit. Yeah. But I don't know if that's good or not. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I definitely, like, when I went back to my hometown recently to film that documentary, like, yeah. I definitely was scared. Like, I couldn't leave that backyard by myself. I had to have my mom with me. And my cousins were like, don't leave by yourself. Like, it's dangerous. Your and that, family was telling you not. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm actually in danger of death there, 
but it feels that way. And I yeah. think that's residual. But when I'm in Toronto, I don't give a shit what neighborhood it is. I can walk by myself anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toronto's I might choose not city. to wear heels True, or something. Yeah. But um, I think that comes from a place as, like, in the city, I'm just, like, a weird-looking, fashionable woman. But in my hometown, I'm Steph, the trans person that moved and came mm. back and is, like, very hurt by everybody. Like, because everybody in that town knows who I am. Yeah. So I think that's the difference. Right. Okay. So I don't feel unsafe in the city. I still feel unsafe when I go home. But in terms of social media, like death threats and things, I think it is important to be able to make a distinction between what is just somebody being a jerk and somebody yeah. who is genuinely making a threat. Okay. Um, and that's kind of a second nature at this point. It's so scary to you're so calm when you talk about it, but yeah. it's like to me, I'm, I'm just, just so like used to really it. the fact that you're just so used to it and that. It's like not. It's not only you. That's oh, the no. scary part. Yeah. You know what I mean. This isn't a rare occurrence mm-hmm. that we're talking about. And um, you were just so bl- blessed to be where you're at. And that's like, unfortunately, not a lot of people have that. Absolutely. What's like one thing you would say to them? Like, what's one piece of advice or something, a motto they can say in their head? Because it is tough out there. I mean, I can only speak for trans people, really. When I think about. You know, when I was really young and I was like super unsafe and I felt horrible and, you know, everything was abysmal. Yeah. (laughs) What did I need back then? That's what I'm trying to think of. And it's like, I definitely needed a role model. I needed to see people that were like me that were living successfully and that were good. Okay. So find a role model or someone to aspire to be. Sort of. I think what's important is not to necessarily aspire to be like them, but is to see that somebody like you is happy and is okay and is not in a place where they're in danger of death, right? And that's tricky to, to be able to relate to somebody. Like, you know, I think young trans people watch my videos because they can relate to me. Yeah. But it's probably hard for them to relate to the way I feel in the city and, like, my lifestyle, True. right? Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. need them to understand that I was where they were and they can get here too, yeah. right? Or wherever they want to be. Right, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's almost as though not a role model in terms of, like, I want to dress, look, do what they do. It's right. more so, like take their hustle and do kind what of. they are doing to get out of whatever unhappy situation they're in. Yeah. Like I just, it's important for them to understand that their circumstances are not permanent and that, yeah. you know, they are capable of happiness and of success. Right. Cause I think when I was 13, right. I didn't know trans people existed. The only thing they were was like a punchline and a South Park joke to me. I yeah. didn't really understand. So if I knew I was trans back then, I would be like, well, what are the options for people like me? Yeah, yeah. I can die. I can be a sex worker on the streets. Like, that's really the only examples I saw on TV of trans people growing up. And so I think that, you know, young trans people today have that benefit of being able to see people that are visible and happy and successful and safe. Yeah. And I think that just knowing that you have options is important. And it can be tricky because a lot of places, you know, for example, there aren't job protections for trans people in Canada. There aren't Wait, housing Wait, what? In Canada, there's no... Bill C-16 was this whole thing. Whoa. And conservatives got super fired up about it. Okay. Specifically Jordan Peterson, who I loathe entirely. Okay. He basically took this innocent thing that was supposed to be job protections and protection. It was, it was basically a thing that was to include trans people in the Bill of Protections, right? Okay. And he said that if you call a trans person by the wrong name or pronoun, you will go to jail. Like he made it this whole thing about like jailing people that were not okay with trans people. Yeah. Which first of all, if you're not okay with trans people, you're not, it's not an opinion. That's a problem. Yeah. But <laughs> nobody's going to jail for using the wrong pronoun. It was simply, you know, you would be charged if you fired somebody because they were transitioning or, you know, you would uh, be charged okay. if you kicked somebody out of their house because they were transitioning. Right. 
it was just about giving protections to trans people. But everybody got so fired up about it being this whole like free speech impediment, like you know, yeah. impeding thing. I don't honestly like. I should know if it went through. I'm pretty sure it didn't. Okay, we'll do research and we'll yeah. post the link okay, on this. Okay, great. Yeah. We should. I should know that. Like, if I'm talking about it, I should know that, but I don't. Um, I just know that people rose, like they they made such a fuss about it, and it was so simple, and it was the one thing that we really really needed to protect ourselves. Yeah. To give us those job protections and things like that, and it, it just people were so fired up, and it's like. They can then turn around and say, like, oh, like, um, I don't have a problem with them as long as they don't, like, you know, hit on me or something, whatever. Yeah. But it's like, you obviously do because you don't want me to have a job. You don't want me to have a house. You don't want me to go to the bathroom in public. So where do you want me to go? Yeah, exactly. Right? You, anyway. You're, you're trapping them in the basement. Yeah. You're, you're exactly. forcing, they force trans people into careers like sex work on the street, right? Yeah. Poverty, homelessness. And then they're like, look at all these people on the street that are doing sex work. Yeah. They're bad. Right? And it's like, you put us there. Yeah. So you can't turn around and say that we're yeah. bad for being here after. That's totally fair. <gasps> uh, it's, uh, it's a shitty world we live in, and we've come far, but you know what? We have so much further to go, and yeah. it's people like you talking about it just the way you are, and there's this new wave of our generation, I think, has the new wave, the right energy, the knowledge, and the tools, and we're using these platforms, social media, and we really are going to change the way it works. I have faith. We can't get lost in all the darkness if that makes exactly. sense exactly no absolutely i think it's important to acknowledge you know bad things that are happening yeah but it's also important to be aware or to you know feel like you can change those things and when i say you shouldn't give a shit i don't mean you shouldn't give a shit about everything you yeah. shouldn't give a shit about what people think of you right but you should absolutely give a shit about the safety of other people oh, about totally. the livelihood of other people yeah and I don't know how to convince people to care about other people, <laughs> but that is really, I think what is so special about our generation is that we, you know, growing up with the internet, for example, um, you have access to all these other experiences and all this information that people before us didn't. Yeah. So you're able to understand and relate to people from other communities or other demographics because that information is available. And so you suddenly give a shit about them, yeah. right? <laughs> and I think that's very powerful. Yeah. And I think that's what's allowing this generation to make those changes or to at least lobby or push for those changes. Yeah, right? no, totally. And then just educate yourselves. Do some reading. Yeah. Pop up an article. I'm going to look at that article and we'll post the link in uh, the profile. Okay. Um, but talk to me about fun stuff. Okay, um, I like fun stuff. So we were talking earlier, you're not a big reality TV fan. I love cooking shows, but okay, anything else. Cooking shows. I just love food. So, like, you know, when I watch a cooking show, I'm like, oh, like, I can do that. Yeah. And then I make some abomination, like, that's not anything like it. Yeah. But <laughs> mostly what I watch on TV and things is, is mystery and murder and paranormal. Okay. And, like, I love stuff like that. Is there a show right now that's like, this is the one? I have to see the next episode. Not really. I go through shows so fast. You just, because, like, whip through them. Like, the other day, I watched two whole seasons of an entire, like, I watched, it was called Slasher. It's a Canadian murder mystery on, okay. on Netflix. I watched two entire seasons in one day. I was up from like, well, I woke up at like 1 p.m. And I stayed <laughs> up until 7 a.m. the next day just watching the show. Yeah. So that's kind of what I spend my time doing. It's not very good. Um, hey, no, you learn so much from watching yeah. the show. And it, especially being a creator, it really does sometimes inspire creativity. I think so too. I do. Um, but my, my problem is I consume shows so quickly that like there isn't really a show I'm like I cannot wait because it's yeah, already yeah, done yeah. I've already watched the whole thing yeah you wait you popped a bag of popcorn the next episode exactly on. exactly um, so you kill your time by just what gaming is that I like your I do game a lot so when I was in that hometown having terrible experiences I would come home and my whole favorite thing in the whole wide world was World of Warcraft okay which I played <laughs> since I was 9 years old and I'm 22 wow. and you're still playing still playing I played yesterday oh like, my god I oh my god it's a whole I have a tattoo of like something from 
from from the game on the on the back of my neck. Um, the tattoo is actually a symbol of the Horde, which okay. is this. It's one of the factions you can play on, and they're like this group of exiles that came together, and they had to like they had to ally and support each other because they didn't have another option. Okay. Right, so I was like, I relate. Right, it's very um, representative yeah, of the community. Wow. Exactly. So I mean, I tattooed that, and I, I really that game. I think very much informed my aesthetic and my personality, and you know, I learned a lot from it too. Growing up, yeah. I remember when I was in third grade when I started playing that game, I couldn't spell the word artist, and I had a very distinct memory of the teacher yelling at me because I couldn't spell the word artist because I wanted to be an artist when I grew up. Um, and then, you know, after playing that game for like a year, I had this immense, ridiculous vocabulary and I was like miles ahead of everybody else in my class in terms of reading comprehension. Um, and I really credit that game for not only saving my life, but, you know, teaching me so much. Really? And there's stories in that That's game. That's cool. There's stories in that game that, you know, for example, one of the stories in the more recent releases is about like this nation of people that has been oppressed and like the poor are, are suffering at the hands of the rich and they're kind of being sold off for protection of the rich. And it's like... Look at it, it's real, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, video games are just an, another form of communicating a story. Yeah. Like, you true. know, television or a documentary or a book. Yeah. And I think playing a game is as beneficial as reading, you know, a storybook or, yeah. you know, a novel that is not, you know, real. Um, you know, I think stories can change you and can change the world. And I think, you know, video games are just another vessel for that. And I, I, I'm very much in love with them. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't even really think about it. I, I believe in the power of storytelling 100%. Yes. And I think that, I mean, this is ignorant of me, but I, I associate gaming with like, you know, just sitting there yeah. doing nothing, like yeah. Red Bull, Red Bull, yes. not doing anything. But you're right, you have to, there's a strategy element to it. Yes. There's the reading, there's the understanding the story, but I didn't even think about how those stories could impact yeah. it. Actually, I actually do want your opinion on this sure. because there is kind of, you know, this gun control reform mm. happening yes and i think this is like interesting but people are attributing that to violent <laughs> video games people have been trying to do that for decades <laughs> and here's the it. thing here's the thing when i was growing up they were attributing violence to video games right and this was before i was aware of school shootings but those same moms that were attributing violence to video games were the hockey moms that at the hockey games were yelling at their sons to beat up the other kids. Yeah, like right? So it's like, are you sure? Are you sure video games are the problem? And nowadays, with the internet and all this like access to information, there's a lot of young white boys that feel very disenfranchised yeah. and they feel very under misunderstood because they're being told, you have all these privileges that you don't actually acknowledge and all these advantages, you know, and, and they're like, well, no, I don't because I have a tough life or something, right? Yeah. And you might as an individual have a tough life. Yeah. But then they lash out and they get this mentality and they're indoctrinated into this white nationalist narrative. Yeah. I'm Ooh, getting very yeah, heavy it, and dark. I'm sorry. It. But, uh, you know, the whole gun control issue right now, or not a gun, gun control issue, but the gun issue in the U.S. is not rooted in video games. It's not rooted in media. It yeah. is 100% rooted in white nationalist indoctrination which yeah. sounds crazy but it's so real all of these shooters are these young white boys these young white teenagers yep. that have a history of you know nazi salutes and you know loving you know hitler and all this bullshit and and people don't want to look at that they don't want to look at misogyny and racism as the problem because that's too hard and that's too 
solidified into the history of the United States. Yeah. So they're like, no, it's the video games yeah. and it's the gays. <laughs> and they're not they're not solving any problems and it drives me absolutely crazy. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> I don't understand how a video game there's so there has to be a bigger issue leading oh, somebody yeah. to pick up a gun and 100%. kill people. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's interesting as a gamer, you always like wonder like do you ever feel the need to grab a gun and kill no, people? No, I don't. If I do, I can do it in a video game, yeah, right? Exactly. You have your so if anything, to do it. exactly. If anything, it's safe. Yeah. Okay. And what type of music do you usually listen oh, to? Oh wow, I love music so much. I think right now some of my favorite artists are. Well, I've always loved Bjork. Okay. I love FKA Twigs. I love Grimes. I love Coco Rosie, which okay. are these are very psychedelic and like yes, experimental. Yes, yes. Um, but I grew up, you know, feeling very saved and very safe and understood by Lady Gaga. Yeah. Um, and I really, really admire her ability to connect. And she makes fantastic music. And yeah, I love yeah, that she yeah. can hop from genre to genre. Rihanna, I think, is just the most incredible She's person. She's my god, yeah. I, I think everybody should aspire to be like Rihanna, yeah, oh my, <laughs> right? Literally oh my god. Oh my god. I love her so much. Um, what else do I love? I grew up to, like, uh, I always wanted to be like my brother, right? Okay. So I'd listen to the music he listened to, which was very much like heavy metal and like Remstein and okay. like Nightwish and like Don't things know like that. Any of that That's is, okay. But... <laughs> it's, it's not something I listen to very much, but if I want to be nostalgic, I go listen to that. It's, yeah. You know, very loud, glamorous, like extremely dark. I don't know. It's fun. I yeah. like it. Um, is it like Evanescence? Sort of. Okay. Evanescence is a bit mopier and a little bit less hard, but it's okay. very much the same kind of trail. I, I do like them too. Like if I want to, if I'm in like a mood and I want to feel a bit, you know, angry at the establishment, yes. like a teenager... I listen to that kind yes, of stuff. Yes, me too. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to like wrap up with this. Sure. Is like, um, you know, I'm sure you get this a lot. And I was kind of, to be completely honest, like coming in, I was like nervous. You know what mm. I mean? I'm like, what could be offensive? What's oh, okay. the correct way of asking <laughs> um, questions? So I wanted you to maybe run us through some popular questions sure. that you or trans individuals get. And one, how to approach it. And sure. two, um, like... Like, when? How? How okay. do we go about this conversation? So, I mean, immediately, the very first thing that comes to my mind is, it's the most common question probably every trans person gets, is like, what genitals do you have? Yeah. And it's like, okay, I understand people are curious. Yes. But here's the thing, is like, why do you need to know that unless we're going to be having sex? Fair. Right? So, you know, I think it's appropriate to ask that question if you are sexually interested in them, and it's clear that they're also interested in you back. Yeah, yeah, Otherwise... Yeah. Not really appropriate. Yeah. Do you go up to other like random people? Here's this. Oh my god. Mm, okay. <laughs> Here's the thing: is you know, looking at a trans person, you can't always know they're trans, right? Yeah, I have friends totally. that literally look like they were birthed out of pure estrogen, right? It's just yeah. like they don't have a masculine bone in their body. Yeah. And you know, nobody would ask those girls what what genitals they have, and yeah. they might have a vagina, right? Because they've had SRS. But they just assume that she's cis based on certain characteristics. Cis, by the way, if anybody's listening and doesn't know, it's like a Latin prefix. It's the opposite of trans. It's been around for forever. Yeah. Um, it just means on the same side of, whereas trans means across, right? Okay. Um, so cisgender people is a thing that's been in medical communities since like trans people have. And it's it's totally... I'm not making up words, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, they just kind of assume people's genitals. But until they see somebody that's a bit ambiguous and they're like, I need to know what's in your pants immediately. And yeah. it's like, why do you need to know that? So it's appropriate to ask. If you're going to be having sex. Otherwise, okay, fair. That's a great approach to it. Exactly. It's just, I think we need to get people to a place where 
we stop looking at trans people and immediately think, how do they have sex, right? Yeah. Because why is that important? There's yeah. so much other stuff about us, oh, right? Oh, totally. Um, so that's the first thing that comes into my mind. Yeah, it's like going to a man being like, how big is your dick? Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. And with it's no like, intentions of touching it right, or doing anything with it. Just out of curiosity. That. Yeah. Or like, you know, like, what does your labia look like? Yeah. It's like, it's not, it's not relevant. Right? Yeah. Um, but I understand the curiosities there, so I do talk about that kind of thing on my channel a lot. Yeah. And I'm very upfront about it. But, you know, it's not appropriate to ask that of a person that isn't already being super upfront about it in that context. Yeah, fair. Um, another thing I get is, oh, it's like, um, are you fully transitioned? Or like, have you had, oh, here, first we'll do, have you had the surgery? The right? surgery. The surgery. Oh, As if okay. there is one surgery that all <laughs> trans people aspire to get. And yeah. that is the narrative that's been fed to people for forever. Oh, so totally. I understand the misconception. Yeah. But the reality is not every trans person wants to have... SRS, sexual reassignment yeah. surgery. Um, for me, the very first thing I got was facial feminization surgery because, you know, everybody sees my face. That's the first thing that everybody sees. And that was my biggest insecurity was okay. like the way my bones changed during puberty and yeah. the way that like I had a brow bone and all the Like I just was very uncomfortable with my face. Yeah. So that to me was way more important than any genital stuff at all. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's dangerous for trans people when we're just equated to our genitalia because that's just, nobody wants that. Yeah. Nobody yeah, wants to yeah. be a walking genital, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> and so I think what people need to understand is that there is not one surgery. There is not the surgery. And really, are you going to ask everybody about their surgical and medical history? Yeah, fair. Right? Like if fair, I'm fair. like, what surgeries have you had? Like, yeah. why would I ask that of anybody? Like, that's just not really important. Medical history is not important unless you're going to be having sex with somebody, for example. Maybe. Yeah, right. But yeah, even yeah. then, surgery maybe isn't what you want to touch on. Yeah. True. Um, to answer that question, though, is like, have you had every surgery? It's, um, oh, sorry. I might have made a large noise there. <laughs> I got a bit flustered. Um, the question of have you had the surgery is... I, as a me when people ask me that in person I say well which one yeah and then they get confused and then I have the opportunity to explain to them there are many surgeries a trans yeah, person might yeah, want yeah. but also not all of us want to have surgery not all of us need to have hormones it's an individual experience and all it is all transitioning is is doing things to make you as comfortable as possible in your body which cis people do all the time too yeah you know some people some like some some dudes bulk up a lot and you know go yep. to the gym because they want to be larger because they have an issue being seen as small Right. And trans women, me, myself, for example, I might, you know, work very hard to look smaller because I don't feel comfortable taking up a lot of space in a room or being seen as masculine and dominating. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the same thing. It's just how you want to adjust your body, no matter what your gender exactly. is, to look the way you want. Exactly. And I think that there's a tendency to separate trans people and the way that they change their bodies from the way cis people change their bodies. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Totally. And that's what people need to understand. Yeah, wow, that's a great way of like breaking it down. Because like we all are human at the end of the day. Yeah. We all want to make changes to our body exactly. to each their own. Go do it. And right. just if you want to have a conversation about it, make sure the moment's right. Exactly. And make sure it's appropriate. Right. Yeah. Um What's like one more that you like I, I don't know, are frustrating with or one way or I don't know, like a tip to approach because right away, obviously if it's it's common sense to me, maybe being in the LGBTQ I just flustered <laughs> all of the words. That's okay. LGBTQAI community sure. is that we, you know, you get, you don't walk up to someone and be like, oh my God, do you have a dick? Do you have a vagina? <laughs> like we get that. Some yes. people don't. But like, what's one thing for our community we can do to support um, the trans community? Because, you know, I mean, you heard about the RuPaul thing, right? I did. I did. I, I mean, did. what are your thoughts on that quickly, actually? Um, 
so I mean, I respect what RuPaul has done for the yes. queer community. Uh, but I think it's very unfortunate that he lost sight of the fact that trans women started not only drag, but yeah. started the entire liberation of queer people. Yeah, yeah, Sylvia yeah. Riviera and um, Marsha P. Johnson are just swept under the rug constantly and replaced with these like sculpted white muscle gods. And it's like, those men maybe did important work, but they did not start this movement. They did not give you this freedom. Yes. And it's very frustrating for me to see somebody that's so prominent in the LGBT community that everybody looks to as the speaker and the figurehead, right? Especially straight, white, cis people that watch it on TV, right? (laughs) Um, It's frustrating to me that he threw us under the bus. Yeah. What he said was basically that trans people should not be able to participate in his show because they have an advantage of being on hormones. Yes. Um, But... One, not all trans people are on hormones. Yeah. A lot of his contestants have had surgeries and fillers to yeah. look more feminine, so they have an advantage, so why are they allowed, right? Yeah. And furthermore, you know, drag is just an exploration of gender. It's not necessarily a cis man dressing up as a woman. It's not about that commentary of comedy on what a woman is. It's yeah, not about that. Exactly. It is entertainment, it's an art form. And to be told that you can't participate when you created it. Yeah. Is like, wow, okay. Yeah. It's very similar to, for example, you know, um, uh, in history, a lot of music genres were created by black folks, and white people were like, this is mine now, oh, in the 50s yes. and 60s, oh, right? Yeah, completely. And it's very much the same. It's like, you can't participate in rock and roll because you're black, even though you founded this genre yeah, yeah, yeah. generations ago, <laughs> right? It's it very much nuts. like that, where I'm like, Rue, what are you doing? Yeah. And I think he tried to backpedal, but I wasn't satisfied. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to do... I mean, he's done so much, like you said. Exactly. And it's like, this is not a slip-up, it's just... It's a misunderstanding. Yeah, a huge misunderstanding. And I think that it just, if anything, will reactivate his fire to go out there, educate, advocate, and really stimulate dialogue like this so people can just understand what's going on. Exactly. Um, Okay, so I like to wrap up with like just one kind of power moment in terms of like Mm. hustling, whatever you want to do in life. You're obviously doing it. You're killing it in the YouTube game. You're doing your makeup stuff. You're just being you, right? So what do you have to say to listeners to be themselves, to get what they want and live the life that they want to do? I think it's important to have a relationship with yourself, right? It's okay to have a relationship with yourself. And I think men have the most trouble with this because they're always taught to not care about themselves, to not take time for themselves. Because what's important is making money or taking care of people or being like a man, whatever that means. Um, and it's important that everybody takes time for their feelings, which sounds maybe sappy, but the most important thing, you know, if if you're unhappy, you need to know why. And if instead you just go to work to make more money to come home and be unhappy again, that's not, that's not helpful. Yeah. So, you know, no matter your circumstances, I think, you know, take five minutes, close your eyes and just think about yourself. I see this a lot in my male relatives too sometimes is like, I don't know what their hobbies are. I don't know what makes them happy. I don't know what they love. And it's very, very sad. And it's not only men, but it's prominently dudes that have trouble with this. But everybody should be able to, to know who they are. And it, you know, you know, I see a lot of memes that go around like, um, when the teacher tells you to tell the class about yourself and it's like very much, you know, the image is always like, tongue-tied or zip mouth yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And people shouldn't have that trouble. Yeah. You should be able to know who you are. You should have full authority over your body. You should know who you are. Um, and there's ways to do that. So take time for yourself. Take care of yourself. Even if something as simple as putting moisturizer on. You're taking yeah. care of yourself. You're being kind to yourself. That makes you yeah. happy. Right? So just do those little things that make you happy. And sooner than later, you will cross this threshold of being in tune 
to your mind and being in tune to who you are and it, it, the floodgates will open. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to have this intentional, like, I'm going to figure out who I am. You just have to take time, do things for yourself, be kind to yourself, and that will happen yeah. possibly. And that's, you know, my advice, I guess, oh to everybody. I everybody. love that. You are, like, so wise beyond thank your you. years. I love that. So well-spoken. <laughs> I appreciate um, Thank that. you so much for coming on Thurston. This has been mm-hmm. great, and uh, we would love to have you back, of course. If there's ever that. a topic or anything you're working on you want to share with us, sure. please come visit. Where can we insta-stalk you and um, stuff? So on every platform, I am Steph Sanyati, S-T-E-F-S-A-N-J-A-T-I. On Instagram, there's a period between those two uh, names, though, so just be aware of that. Uh, YouTube's my main platform. Instagram, I should be more active on, but I'm not. Uh-oh. Twitter is where I'm messy as hell. So if you want to see me really not give a shit, you go there. Okay. okay. So that's where I get messy. Um, <laughs> and I look forward to seeing you all. Yeah. And then I am Anil Joshua, A-N-E-A-L Joshua on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm like launching a YouTube soon. So oh this God. is going to be real life Congratulations. for me. Yeah. And then um, we're going to be at This Is Thirst. Thirst is spelled with a Y on Insta and Twitter. And just so you know, we're doing a hiatus on all of our reality TV recaps. Netta is in Vancouver. We're going to New Zealand. So we will be back full throttle May 1st. And we can't wait to hear from you guys. Tweet us some questions and some love. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Bye.